I got no plan here. Well, uh, if you can take it away. <laughs> I don't know. I was reflecting on the state of uh, radio and podcasts and things. and It's such a giant thing now. Back when we were doing radio in, what, 2005 or something? It wasn't cool that I rem- that I recall. I don't remember anybody at the at school being like, "Oh man, you guys are on radio." Shit, yeah. Like, let's let's tune in. Radio, right? That was the that was the academy. Do you not think it's yeah. pop- more popular now? Like, I was looking at Instagram. Yeah. And you know, it's fairly popular at the academy as any college, right? But you have these accounts that would never existed before. So there was one yesterday that um, Amanda actually sent me, but it was, it was like Academy caffeinated. It's a podcast. No, I mean, it's just an Instagram account. So it really only has three pictures, but it's just like (laughs) trying to get people at the Academy to post their little coffee setups. And, and, And the one, it was pretty cool photo. It was like, an arrow press and really trying to do it all like a modern hip college student i remember i mean that was such a big thing for everybody at school was you're trying not to be a cadet you're always trying to do whatever the cool thing is that you know everybody else is trying to do downtown or wherever yeah coffee's a different thing about my, my reaction to amanda was like man like we did not have good coffee or access to uh, good coffee right like it was just a mount i was i didn't even drink coffee back then like i remember being weirded out by the like coffee fiends you know you're like hey you're 22 and you need like seven cups of coffee a day <laughs> well, that's probably changed you know generally too because it's like think of like high school like you were you were weird if you were drinking energy drinks, right? True. Like Bulls were probably the first ones to come out. I remember it was like yeah, thousand ish. And yeah, Red Bull was kind of cool, but it was for like the action sports. Yeah, and it wasn't sold uh, right. at your random gas stations, really. So, but again, like people weren't drinking caffeine. Yeah. As opposed to now, like people go kind of ham, right? Like you start pretty young, drinking Starbucks or whatever it is, and yeah, conditioned. And yeah, I mean, did we even drink caffeine? No, I know I did. I remember I tried to, <laughs> I, I tried to get in a coffee when I was like eleven or something. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, and I remember my dad doesn't drink coffee. And so I, I got all this like coffee stuff from somewhere. I don't even know where. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do all this coffee. And it was, it just sat in the freezer. Like, you know, that's where you stored your coffee. It's like in a, in a brick. You remember those like coffee, like yeah. they're like freeze dried, like bricks. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I mean, I guess they are now more, I mean, back then the only thing like energy thing where those like weird, like tiger serum things that you'd find at like, you know, 7-Eleven, like boost your vitality. Uh, it's a bunch of, who knows who's buying that stuff? I guess that stuff still exists too. 
know, or pre-workout. I remember I was with Paul and it was before one of the uh, fitness tests. Oh my god! Had me. It was like, man, we gotta get pumped up. Oh my god! Was, <laughs> I called Red Alert from Seven <laughs> Eleven or something. Yeah, I was like, drank maybe a, a quarter of this, and it was, like, it was like black market stuff that was just like, who knows what's in it. Yeah, it's just a lot of caffeine, but like now people, I mean, make that regularly before workouts or just. Oh yeah, the pre-workout stuff. You see people like getting, I don't even know what's in it, but you know, it's definitely like gets people all jacked up and they think it's going to make them lift more or whatever. Oh, maybe it does. No, no, I mean. It's a meme. It, I saw, so there was, yeah, some, there, there was this picture on uh, Reddit. It showed like, like five people like lined up and they were all like kind of, you know, normal looking. And then it was, you know, some time in the future, next picture. And they were all like fit. And the first time it was like, wow, the, the oldest guy looks like he lost you know, 15 years. And the response was, yeah, I wonder what he takes for pre-workout. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, my point was that, you know, the social media or whatever it is, especially the cat, like it's just changed certain, certain outlets, right? Like, but do you think it's more, cause I know there was like a fast, there's a fast, neat below average podcast, which is kind of a new yeah. e-dodo or dodo or whatever it was. I, have you even listened to that? I think I listened to like four minutes of one a couple of years ago. But they're all pretty short, right? I have no idea. I think it just proves the point. There's too many podcasts in the world. Yeah, exactly. So let's do another one. I don't know. I, the, I, I mean, selfishly, my whole thing is I'm just trying to find a time to have a conversation that I don't hear regularly, I guess. So like, I, you know, I listen to some, but everybody's trying. It's not everybody, but there's so many. I don't know. There's so many, all the popular ones have like a point of view where they're trying to do something. And I mean, yeah, that's interesting, but some of them are way overproduced and all this kind of mess. Yeah, and I, I think the most popular podcasts, I mean, part of it is people feel like they're talking to, to friends or they have some right. type of personal connection, right? Like, well, there's, there's, that, there's that. It's a photo of this kid just like cracking up laughing. Yeah, right. That billboard. <laughs> you know people like sharing candy or soda yeah. like, oh, laughing with all my friends but right exactly no i think that, i mean there's definitely something to that um but i don't know what's really interesting to me though is that there's not a, an equivalent to like talk radio that i have seen and that's what i'm trying that's why i was that's what i'm really interested in is because when i got into radio so i got into radio originally from listening to art bell do you remember art bell no. It was coast to coast AM. Oh, coast to coast. Yeah, yeah it turned into uh, George Norrie eventually. But Art Bell, he'd have like, he'd have these total goofball people on talking about like aliens and Area 51 and all this stuff. And yeah, I like the conspiracy stuff. Oh, yeah. No, he was, I mean, Art Bell was like the original conspiracy nut. And, but it was so. I, you know, I'd listen to it at like two in the morning on my little like transistor radio. But the cool part was they'd he'd get like truck drivers and stuff. They'd call in and they'd tell them these like obviously fabricated stories. 
about how they're driving a truck across New Mexico. And man, I saw these lights come down and they just like, uh, they landed and I didn't know what to do. They're right in the middle. I'd be like an Alex Jones thing now, but you know, you get the idea. And then, you know, you listen to, at the time. You know, he died of an overdose. Art Bell did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew he died. I didn't know what he died of. Years ago in Pahrump, Nevada. I've been to Pahrump. Yeah, I think that's where I think that's where he broadcast from. Oh. And he had this like I can't, his intro music was this like uh, Native American. I can't remember. Oh, it was a band Cusco. That's what it was. It was super fun. Um, anyway, so what did he die? Wait, he overdosed on what? Fentanyl. I mean, he was living in Pahrump, which is like right th- right outside of Vegas, about 30 minutes an hour. Uh, it's also where all the brothels are. High desert. Maybe that's why he was in Pahrump. Spending that big time AM cash on all those on all those brothels. Huh. Now the but you know, talk radio is just dominated by the right wing folks. Which I don't know why exactly that happened, but I haven't seen anything equivalent. Like you know, Air America tried to do it with like what Janine Garofalo and yeah. Al Franken and that, and it totally didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I've just always been fascinated by this idea, of like call-in shows, where you just have random people call in. Yeah. Because if you listen to like any of the big right-wing call-in people, they're just all like jazzing each other up. That's like all it is, is like you got Rush Limbaugh and like Beck and all these dudes and uh, Mark Levin. And so they'll sit there and go off on a rant. Like, did you ever listen to Michael Savage? I have. So it was funny. The modern equivalents of this stuff too, like YouTube, where I think of, I mean, it's dominated in a similar way. But there's no like back and forth, I guess is my point, right? So like I can sit here and rant on YouTube, but then it's, there's never a like, let's call her number four from uh, wherever, like, what do you have to say? And then they'd say, it used, it used to be the case where somebody call in. What's that? Oh, I saying it's almost like improv. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it used to be where it's like, you never knew who was gonna call in and it might be interesting. Now it's all pretty bad. Um, it's all like scripted. A really conservative radio. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a syndicate, so it had a bunch of talk shows under it. This was in DC. Which one? I don't want to say. No, I actually don't. It's um, called, what was it? You're talking about the station? There's a station. WMAL. Gordon Liddy. Yes, WMAL. It's 105.9. So, I mean, really it was happenstance where I was interning there for a summer in college and, and the program was a quote journalism program. And I was interested in radio because the college yeah. radio station academy. And, um, you know, ideally I was like, ah, except me up with something like NPR, uh, which has its own right. interview process that anyway, so what they assigned me to, and it turns out this program is pretty like, libertarian uh a lot of professors from gw for example and a mix it was maybe whatever but yeah so they assigned me to this that that 
radio station. I had no idea, like walking into and I show up and yeah, Gordon Liddy's, you know, was, was their main, their main host. So he had the main show and, and really like my job was, you know, button pusher. Yeah. Kind of setting stuff up. Right. Um, but before that, you know, in prep for the shows in the day, it, it was your standard call in, right. It's your call in format. And really we were just like there, I wasn't doing this, but they were like looking through the internet for your like dumb kind of drudge report headlines mm-hmm. and stuff that you can just, I mean, it's like culture war stuff we'd say today, but yeah, it was just, it was like random headlines that you could just, you know, riff on, you know, Starbucks employee doesn't serve co- coffee, you know, in city right. Arizona. And then, that leads to like an hour of just comp narratives, right? Right. That's all it was. Is like we need ten little uh, prompts of just weird oddball stuff with a with a narrative, right? With right. an agenda, and then they would screen callers in a way, right? It's like so, yeah, you're getting people that are kind of improving and calling in, but they're they're picking. But you're right. I mean, in some ways. Like, the person can say, Hey, I'm calling in. This is what I want to talk about. Right. And, and then, then they, they go off the wall. Bop, and then they do the Baba Booey thing for, <laughs> for like Howard Stern. But you know, Stern did that too. I mean, that was the, that was the cool, it was like everybody, Opie and Anthony, that was all like FM morning, you know, DJ yeah. zoo type crap, which, you know, I don't know if you ever listened to Opie and Anthony, but they did all the same stuff. They had their whole like people who followed them and everything. So, I mean, it was happening. But it was more on the, it was like shock jock type stuff. So, but I just don't see like I don't I don't see that in the podcasting world, and I, and I think it's because it's not live, right? I mean, it's got to be why because it's asynchronous. There's some podcasts that I would listen to now that that do. It's not live, but it's re- recorded in a way that seems like it live at the time, right? So they they advertise, hey, we're taking calls during these hours. Oh, okay. Um, well, so yeah, I mean, in that sense, it's live like that, but it's, it's like the Dr. Drew show. I haven't seen that. Does he do call-ins? I don't know. Like Loveline? <laughs> yeah. Well, well he's got a new by all is probably a, a fairly popular one that, that does that format at times. Which one does call-ins? Reply all. Who is that host? I don't know. Uh, I got three hosts now, but I always forget their names. Oh. Um, okay. And actually done like whole episode setups where it's, you know, we're just going to be on call f- for this 24 hour period and Whoa. see what happens. And just, you know, people are just calling in. Yeah. Random stuff. And, huh. you know, in editing, obviously like they, they create a kind of a theme through it, but it, it is very much, you don't know where it's going. So. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to, that would be cool though, at some point, like if this, if we hang in there long enough doing this, it'd be cool to get like enough people that can actually call in. It's like, Hey, you know, what are you, what's up? What's going on? And then hopefully I won't totally derail it, but you never know. I mean, I, I thought about in law school starting, I was like, man, we gotta get a podcast where we just sit in the garage and we stop this was in you know Palo Alto area where you get a lot of people commuting, sure. walking between the trains. Or you just like sit outside the bar. Like, sit in the garage and just like <laughs> serve coffee and get people to come in. 
Um, That'd be cool. Which again, I mean, it kind of like there's a lot of these YouTube channels that have capitalized that format, right? Like, sure. I mean, what's not done, I guess, at this point? I, I can't think. I mean, that's part of like, that's part of any type of innovation is like figuring out what hasn't been done. Although I, my history with that indicates that if you're doing something no way's ever done, <laughs> you're, you're typically going to be the first failure and then somebody else is going to come along and do it big time. But yeah, I can't, I mean, I can't think of a thing where somebody's like, well, yeah, no one's ever seen this before, especially in this medium, like radio or entertainment and it's like everything i've never really even explored is stuff like twitch or yeah we really like true live stream formats where yeah maybe it's not radio but you know maybe it may be a dude watching watching something or playing video games right like yeah well i did that because i got i don't know it was a couple years ago i want to say yeah almost two years ago I started getting really good at NES Tetris. Did we talk about this? Oh, I remember, I remember you playing. Oh. But yeah, I thought, I was like, all right, well, what the hell? Why don't I just set up my, I mean, there can't be that many NES Tetris streamers. In fact, there are thousands. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I thought, all right, I'll set up a Twitch for NES Tetris. But, you know, there's a, the like world champion Tetris or he's not current, but he's been the world champion Tetris player for forever. He does Twitch and he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come and watch him play Tetris and it's him and his wife and they sit there, he plays and she like answers questions and then they have, like they'll play other video games and stuff, but people will watch people do anything, right? Like, I mean, it- well, there was a whole, I mean, it, it's still a huge, you'll see from time, like I'll get confused. I'll be on, some website if it's like hacker news or reddit or whatever and then i'll see there's some some event has happened with some person i've never heard of and this is just me being an old fuck at this point i think but i'll be like who is this and i'll go to the subreddit and it's like four hundred thousand subscribers and it's a guy who's been you know streaming his league of legends or whatever for the last couple of years and people are like drawing pictures of them and like sitting, <laughs> dressing up as them and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, there was one that was called like, I can't remember, do you remember this one? It was like Ice something. And it was just a live streamer. He just like streamed like his whole life. Huh. And it was always like some drama or something. He was getting arrested or like, you know, it was something wild. Well, just the other day I saw something. It was like, it was on Reddit actually. It was one of those kind of um, life advice posts, but. It was like, yeah, if you're lonely, just find Twitch or any type of streamers with only a few, a few people. Yeah. Like you and five others. And um, you're going to like have conversations, right? It's like, cause you yeah. can dominate the conversation and, and the yeah. person honestly wants viewers. And uh, well, I think most people are doing it cause they're looking for other people to connect with. Right. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe there's like a fame aspect to it, but I think at the like root of it, that's probably what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want fans, right? I mean, that's yeah. any of those things starts, starts at that point. Until it's too many. Whoa. Wait a minute. Like get me well, off. That's where, 
you know, people were like, yeah, that's, you know, basically I became this person's friend and then I became the moderator or I became part right. of the channel in some way because I had stuck through for so long. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like, I, people, like I said, people will watch people do anything and it's easy to look at that as if it's kind of silly or dumb. You know, like, why would you waste your time watching someone play a video game? And I'm just thinking, well, sports 50 years ago, 100 years ago, a few, like, there was nothing going on, right? Like, people went and watched executions. Like, people, like, <laughs> no, but that's what I always think about that. I'm like, all right, let's like take it back a couple hundred years. Like, I was reading some um, Chekhov the other day, right? So, Anton Chekhov, the Russian, like, short story novelist or short story guy. And he, write, he writes these like they're crazy depressing short stories, right? But they're kind of reflective of what, you know, Soviet Union, pre-Soviet life was like. There's just nothing to do. It, it's literally just, like, you know, people just had nothing going on. Like they would work, they'd be around their family, maybe cook some gruel or whatever and then play on a banjo or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It was just like the amount of time in the day for just nothing is really interesting. Because now I think people have an equivalent amount of nothing. If you're, I mean, unless, if you're working like three jobs, all right. And I think that's a significant population, but if you're not, I feel like, and what is it like half of America is unemployed at this point or something. But anyway, just sitting around watching Maury all day. That's what it is now. And like legit, like granted, Maury is hilarious and ridiculous, but just the amount of free time to do stupid stuff like we're doing right now, you know, is, it's pretty interesting if you look back on like, oh, they really had nothing to fill it with. Yeah, I mean, other than actual like work, labor. Yeah, but I mean, even then, like, there's only so much you can do per day, right? Yeah, you go to bed when the, um... Sun go down and yeah. I mean, really honestly, like, people were getting drunk. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I just started reading this book called The War on Alcohol. Yeah. And, I mean, it's really interesting because, I mean, the, the premise is a somewhat a relook at prohibition era federal enforcement and the system it created. And I mean, it kind of starts with saying, you know, people are very quick to be like, oh, prohibition was this dumb, you know, fluke thing that happened. It was never really effective. We all moved on, you know, and we like got the great Gatsby and more like, it, like mob movies. NASCAR. We got the great Gatsby and NASCAR and the JFK. Well, yeah, and like, the, like the mob, right? And like romanticizes some of that, sure. the, the, some of that. But yeah, I mean, the book was actually looking at like one of the, the most massive social engineering programmed by the federal government and it it was effective in many ways but it was effective against these minority and small small town populations where yeah you had rural local whatever enforcement that actually enforced it and again it was against like the disenfranchised and minority populations and yeah. and really i mean I'm, I'm just starting this but the, the the kind of full circle is the system it created that you would say the war on drugs, right? It's like the modern, the modern equivalent. I thought, 
My, my understanding was that the modern policing system came out of that specifically. Yeah. Like the idea of city, like local city municipality up through, you know, state, right? Um, like law enforcement, like sprung out of all that. Federal state integration, right? Like you think of those prohibition era movies and that's awesome what it was. It was like, you got this, the, the federal group of agents coming right. into whatever, you know, Chicago or some random little town. And then, yeah, I mean, you have, you have policing integration. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's, and like you said, it was, it was arguable, just like with everything else, it was targeted at the people who were least able to pretend or hide or go to a speakeasy or like, you know, pull the thing on the bar and the whole bar turns around or whatever the hell it was, you know, or go get a prescription for alcohol or all this other kind of crap that people always do. And that, like, I love, I always love those little hacks, right? Because everybody knows like what's going on. It's like impossible to enforce stuff that people just want to do, right? Yeah. And so that kind of goofball stuff, you have to have like the time and energy and like resources to be able to put into it. But if you don't have any of that and you just want to get drunk, well, you're going to get busted on the street, right? By the guy with the nightstick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, but and in many ways too, it was like the prohibition actually increased alcohol uh, uh, consumption in some ways, right? Like it actually like spurred the industry because <laughs> it came well, up this black market commodity. Absolutely causing demand by like, uh, you know, reducing supply, um, really driving things up. Well, the other thing it did was it killed every, it killed all these tiny um, breweries. So they're used pre-prohibition. There were thousands of little microbreweries basically across the U.S. When prohibition hit, uh, all the big ones or the big ones back then, um, they basically turned into this kind of three, two, like water type of stuff, or they were making other kinds of things. And so when, uh, what was it like the 17th amendment or one of those amendments? Um, yeah, I think it's the 18th. Is it 18th, yeah. Um, happened, they were like perfectly poised to be able to come right back. Um, and they ended up making, because people had gained a taste for this like rice adjunct light beer over that period, um, that's what blew up. And that's why today, even today, I mean, it's certainly changed a bit over the last decade, let's say, but you know, all through the, up until like the early 1990s when Boston beer and all that started getting big, it's, you know, almost a hundred percent like adjunct lager, rice, you know, Budweiser, Coors Light type shit. Actually, I think what it was, was it Coors? It was either, no, it was, I think it was Bush but they turned all their railroad cars into like ice cars or something um, instead of like transporting alcohol. So it was like, they had all these like, you know, ice cars basically. It's like, oh, okay, we'll just use that as our slogan. Like we just, we sell the coldest beer there is because we put it in the ice car, you know, it's pretty interesting. That's the uh, American way of adjusting to the market. Yeah. Well, and so the reason I thought about it was partly because, and there's accuracy to it, but part of the narrative was the workforce, like the American work, workforce, laboring force was just drunk 
all the time, right? Like the men <laughs> were just drunk all the time. And this is, um, you know, really industrial, kind of post-industrial. Like right as industrialization was happening. Yeah, and, and a lot of the things that, um, I mean, in simplified ways, right, of like your traditional family structure and um, employment, like you just think like a farm, right? It's right. like the farm is this kind of communal symbiotic thing and um, the family unit is really just like a bunch of kids to help work on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, like there wasn't as big of a gendered gap if, if that makes sense where like oh yeah well because you know, yeah, the man was... and the woman are both like they're both running this yeah, equitable distribution yeah for sure create like you know the typical industry and the dudes going into the factory and now the woman's at home and and kind of like the uh, i mean almost like the, the modern creation of you know the woman takes care of the house the dude goes to work and then right he gets drunk and doesn't come home and spends all the money at the bar um yeah yeah i mean yeah like obviously a lot of people were drinking i mean i so was it so okay so was it that as industrialist so okay we went from like predominantly agrarian right to this industrial world um in the you know late or mid to late 19th century um so was it the case that industrialization drove more people to drink because they had like this free time, not free time, but you know, whatever the labor conditions were shit. And then, you know, it was easier to make alcohol. So many factors, right? Cause I mean, the other like romanticized narrative and then there's accuracy too is like the founding fathers, right? Like everyone was drinking and partly just because the access to water and, you know, uh, to drink, you know, a spirit, and you know, basically, people drinking like four ounces of whiskey a day. Um, That's not that much. I don't know if it's all as strong as it would have been today, like some, you know, forty to fifty proof. But um, I think like a lot of the factors, and one really big one is it's just bringing a bunch of people together. And, and more oh, good point. Yeah. and suburbs to urban populations, and and now you got a a bunch of people to get, I mean, yeah, it's like the saloon, you know, Wild West saloon. <laughs> Which um, I think that's all bullshit narrative too. <laughs> like, you know, like the doors and, you know, you got, it's always a bunch of rough ruffians and this anarchistic uh, West yeah. uh, and all this kind of it's mess. Like Deadwood. Yeah, ex- exactly. Or it's like Westworld or whatever. Yeah, not, maybe not Westworld, but but Deadwood, I thought, was pretty. It's a good oh, show. I never, I never saw Deadwood. I mean, it's it's fairly, it's fairly old at this point. But um, was it accurate, like historical? I don't know if it was accurate. I mean, it's definitely a like a lot of the stereotypes of um, of the West in some ways. But like, I mean, all that stuff's romanticized. You have just like, I mean, what was the law then? You know, there was. You got like quote sheriffs and it's like all these people are just like federalized whatever and but it was yeah, I mean overall. I remember looking into this at some point or I was reading something on some uh, on like the the anarchistic wild west right which is this concept of like it's kind of higher no it's not very hierarchical it's very kind of you know pay 
pay for your bounties and all this kind of mess. And that was somewhat debunked in some sense. And, um, but, and it was more along the lines of, it wasn't just like rabid gangs of people out doing stuff. It was mostly collaborative. Everybody's mostly collaborative. Everybody's mostly working together, right? And then every once in a while you had some kind of wild thing happen. And then that's what got all everybody all excited and, and whatever, but. Well, you know, really like Tombstone, right? It's like the, the lore around those events where it's like you look at it and, um, you know, yeah, people people were actually killed and, and there were, were these fights, but uh, it doesn't seem as complicated as what we see today or what we would understand it to be. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you just think about it in terms of like hierarchical stru structures, I mean, you're a lawyer. I mean, the amount of like legal code in anything. I mean, just think about it like this, right? So I've heard this quote is, who was it? I think it was from, uh, from Stalin's, one of Stalin's people. He's like, find me a man and I'll, and you know, I'll find the uh, law he's breaking, right? Type of thing. Yeah. It certainly could be made the case the same with the US code, right? Which you'd say anybody's breaking any number of laws at any particular point in time because they've been codified somewhere. The Wild West just wasn't, nobody was writing stuff down the same way. So, you know, you just, it was large. It seemed like it was arbitrary. They weren't states, right? Like, places that weren't actually, there was right. no, like, there was no federal jurisdiction. So, yeah. I mean, again, it's, like, so simplified, but it's, like, the term outlaw, right? It's, like, you're out, outside of the law. Without the law. Yeah. It's really, there's no, there's no due process, right? It's, like, you just have these, like, dead or alive, like... <laughs> Dude did some, you yeah. know, broke the law. Okay, like, I mean, it's basically a, a death warrant. Well, the other, well, the other interesting part is, like, if you think about it from like the like natural law perspective, or something like, um, something like the, like, who owned? Kind of, I've always found fascinating the concept of like property laws based on finders keepers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's kind of like the in inheritance, but you know, let's say you were an outlaw, right? In the sense that you were operating outside of an incorporated territory in the US. Well, that was, in many cases, that was a, you know, First Nations space. And so if, in theory, if, if they had the same concept of like property, you'd be operating in their jurisdiction, but they didn't, right? And so it, it, was, it was just funny because if you think back on like all the cowboys and Indian stuff, it's like, oh, these, all these savages are out here, right? It's like, well, but in theory, you're, if you're on their land, you should be operating under their particular jurisdiction and then they can execute their jurisdiction however you want. I just find that whole thing interesting and that people don't want to extend it like that. <laughs> like if I fly, well, although if you look at Americans now, like not all, but some people like fly to other countries and be like, Hey, what is this? What are these laws? Like, I'm an American. You can't do this to me. It's like, okay, we understand. I, apparently, you've not learned the concept of sovereign nations or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I always want. I mean, a, a, a good example would probably be, um, you know, it's like Miranda rights, right? So, like, rights remain silent. You know, law enforcement reading you those rights, you can invoke or not. Access to an attorney, blah blah blah. Like, that doesn't exist everywhere. No, and. and if I were to tell someone that, they'd be like, oh, like, no, like, no, like, your standard Western countries, like Germany, for example, like, the cops can just 
ask you and you, you're supposed to answer their questions. Um, and I'm always wondering like how that actually plays itself out and, and through this criminal justice process and system, because I mean, that's like almost a sacrosanct right that we have in the U S but it also hasn't always existed. Right. <laughs> like it, it took, it took judges this kind of like, Hey, like whatever we're doing here is, is pretty messed up. Uh, maybe people should have a right. It's um, compelled speech. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's just on the front end of like how we enforce laws and, and, you know, prosecute them eventually. It's just so different, but because you would think you'd have disparate in, like, results in a system that didn't allow for those rights or protections. Well, what's, here's the one that's messing with me is maybe we need all those because we're over-policing all the time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these other countries, maybe they don't need all that stuff. In other words, they don't feel compelled to it. I mean, maybe Germany is a bad example historically, right? <laughs> Man, I'm from like modern Germany. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> um, yeah, because I guess Miranda's all post World War II anyway. But um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's although on the flip side, you've got places like UAE and like you know Turkmenistan and shit, which yeah, are, and I'm sure that's where people go first to is like, I mean, you what you would think of a of a state that's I mean, torturing, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you've got to have some kind of, you have to have a pressure on the system to like make that stuff work. And that's the kind of stuff I'm not seeing today is like the same. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's always been a minority case. And when I say minority, I just mean whatever small group of people, right. Who make a big deal out of things, um, which are rightfully, they should be made a big deal out of, but I don't know, like that kind of, like that kind of case. Right. Somebody's got to be mad enough about their whatever's going on that they get enough people riled up about their um, about their plight, like the Miranda case, right? Yeah. You have to you have to be a big enough pain, again, rightfully so, to make all that stuff happen. And I'm not sure if I don't know if I don't know if we're still doing that or if just the system is not like adjusting to it anymore, or maybe like we've already codified so much of this stuff. It's kind of like there's so much infrastructure involved at this point for a lot of these edge cases. I don't know, is that the cases from a lawyer's perspective? I mean, I'm looking at, it's like the Wikipedia for different countries and, and the quote, right to remain silent. Maybe I was wrong. I don't mean like, obviously Germany has, Germany has some code. I guess you have to dig into the nuances to see the differences. I mean, there's, it seems to be there. Yeah, there's like a broad protection of right to remain silent which just wasn't always the case right and i just it's it's, yeah, it's yeah obviously there's development in, in the law um i mean at least what like this little excerpt is talking to you know drawing you know a negative inference for those that remain silent right and in like the u.s system right it's like a plea to fit. You're not supposed to draw that inference. Yeah, but everybody does. Like, you know, whenever <laughs> this guy on the stand pleaded the fifth, everybody's like, oh, I guess he's guilty, you know, type of crap. Yeah, I mean, that gets into like all their dynamics outside yeah. of, of what just the law is. Um, well, and then you've got this, a lot of these clowns on like YouTube and stuff, they'll get pulled over and they got the video going like, oh, is this, an, is this a lawful pullover? And like, and I'm not here to defend the cops or everybody. Like the cops, like, um, 
You were doing five over. He's like, well, are you arresting me? You're like, uh, man, just give me your like license and registration. Right. So like, yeah. I get their point. Like, but some of the like sovereign citizen crap really <laughs> makes people tired of, of the concept, I think. Yeah. Oftentimes at least. By the way, like, videos. say again. I'm saying they're good. They make good entertainment. Yeah, true. The uh, different topic. What's, do you remember when was, I don't know if I showed you Reddit first or you showed it to me or whatever back in like 2006 or you showed it to me. Yeah, it was 2008. Oh, was it 2008? Yeah. I mean, it is a case study in like interesting place that went totally fucking sideways. What, Reddit? Yeah. What? I don't know, because if you go on it now, it's all memes and like political stuff. I mean, there's still some like gyms in there. From time to time but the original pre-subreddit reddit was like yeah there's this whole eternal september thing are you familiar with this no so eternal september was from oh geez was it using that i think it was basically what happened was um i think it was like in the in september of like 1995 or something when aol just came on all these new people just got on the internet and they were not like nerds and they weren't like very, you know, they didn't like niche topics and things like that. And they ended up just like infiltrating all these niche topic groups and turning it into just like cesspool of internet. And so now we talk about the eternal September is like for anything like that, you can find like a small community and, you know, for it will just continue. If it's popular enough, it'll just continue to get overrun and overrun. Um, but you know, it's just an, it's been an interesting thing to watch over the years, how as an organization or as like a website or whatever communication medium, it's gone from one of the more like most interesting, best places to go on a regular basis to it's now it's just like pornography and like memes, <laughs> which I, I guess is like the end state for pretty much anything. I mean, you, you still frequent it. Yeah. I do find like it's kind of still serves as my portal to the internet. Oh, like it's first, it's your remember. So they used to call it the front page of the internet. I don't think they do that anymore, but it's like it's where you it's like your first stop. But I, I mean, I, there's a lot, of, you know, I still use the old interface and yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't know what's the, like the new one will just break your. Well, the new one, I mean, it's designed to be like a Facebook feed. It's designed to be like an Instagram feed. It's designed to be, like you said, it, it emphasizes photos and and headlines in a way. Yeah, it's just. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and like even like in the new the new Facebook, right? Is I don't I'm not even on it anymore. Like I just don't go there because it's just I don't even know who it's for. Because it's mostly 60-year-olds using it. I mean, really, it's only, it's still, it's still popular for Facebook groups. You know, it's like, it's yeah. like default for people to make a group. Or, I mean, really, I use it for Marketplace, which is just. Well, I think that's what it is. Craigslist. It's all like the, 
it's all the mercantile stuff, right? So like we've got our, like our local group here from my neighborhood and that's where people like, I, I, here's a perfect example of the kind of wild stuff. So, you know, next door is interesting in the fact that it's got, you know, people post all kinds of wild stuff. Well, so it's, I think it's the same for these Facebook groups. So two doors down from me, there's a neighbor kid. Uh, he's 10 and very paranoid, nice kid, but he, he wears a mask 24 seven, like in his house, walking the dog, all this kind of stuff. And I'm in a rural-ish area. So it's just a little bit not necessary. So he stands out. Anyway, so he went to walk his dog the other day and he walked past one of these houses and this woman who's probably in her sixties came out and started like berating him. Oh wait, did I tell you the story already? I think I remember this. Remember we asked him, like, hey, what happened? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were here, like, when that, like, the uh, day after. I don't want to <laughs> that trauma. So, yeah, so she came out and berated him and started, like, challenging him on his politics and then told him he could fuck off or go fuck himself to a 10-year-old. Anyway, so the funny part was, though, is that his parents, you know, confronted her and took a bunch of pictures and then posted it all to the Facebook group, and everybody was just, like, putting her on blast. So that's what it seems to be now. These like little local groups, just like antagonizing each other or posting pictures of like, Hey, there's a bear in my yard. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, next door, like it's not, even, no, it's just as bad. Hmm. I don't know. I got distracted. So I was looking, it's actually pretty cool. There's a library of Congress has a whole website uh explaining Miranda equivalents oh really every country in the world who's who's running that stuff I feel like someone in the library of congress <laughs> I don't know how often they're updating it but yeah I don't know why why there's some distinction with Germany and, and the only reason I'm thinking about it is because it comes up and it may just be wrong but it comes up in, in kind of like jag advice of like you know obviously like different states are going to have different domestic uh, state laws but you know something about you know you get your random airman in germany or you know military person who gets pulled over and thinks they have you know these american or u.s right. rights and blah, blah blah it's like no like it's a little different and maybe it comes into like detention versus arrest and certain things cops but i i, I could see that self plan is out right like am i being detained and it's like they just have, there's a very different system that regulates how they how they enforce it's so, it's so consistent though for military members overseas that just they don't listen to their local like hey here's how the local area works <laughs> yeah i mean i so separate from military i remember i went to the u so my aunt and uncle were living in the uae and i went in 2007 for like christmas time and, you know, the women there typically wear the, not, I don't know, it's probably, you've been there. It's like, what, half and half or something, wear the abaya and the whole like job and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, very, still very traditional for the people who live, who aren't expats, let's say, right? So I remember we were going through a parking garage or something like this. And this man, like, Somehow he got into a confrontation with my aunt. Now you got to remember, my aunt is like a sixty-year-old Texas lady, 
right from Houston and she's not going to like, she won't take any shit from anybody. So this guy starts like, you know, cussing at her or whatever in Arabic. And she's like, <laughs> it's like, well, you can't talk to me like that. You don't, I'm from Texas, you know, this type of shit. And it was just hilarious watching everybody around, like what is happening right now? Why is this crazy woman basically <laughs> yelling at this man in a parking garage? And we were all kind of like, okay, time to go. Like, let's, let's, you know, keep moving here before we start some kind of like international incident, but you know, goofy stuff like that, which, you know, fair, they need to, they need to reform, but also kind of, you don't want to step in that one while you're uh, over there. <laughs> yeah. This is bad news. So how's your class going? You know, just a lot of zooming. So, I actually I saw something was today. Um, it was making fun of. It was kind of like replicating the situation, right? It was like almost like a Skype business or board meeting, or it's like. Oh, it was like a fake. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was, the joke was, it was like, what? Like, how did we lose like a twenty-year, um, you know, market domination? Like, I mean. Like Skype was the go-to. Oh, oh, I get you. So this was Skype. This is like the people at Skype. Yeah. A call about like on Zoom. <laughs> the other thing is like, what? Like, why didn't Skype? I mean, I guess they weren't catered to that type of instruction and and let a number of um, callers on one call. But it's not like Zoom is uniquely i mean it's the same thing right and ultimately it's just a video video yeah there's no magic to it i mean i think so skype had to change their Skype just watch zoom take over the market and it's like what do we do i think so when skype got bought by microsoft long long ago yeah they moved into like the business space um more heavily but I don't think they could like take over from, uh, gosh, what was it? It was like the Tanberg. Yeah. So I don't think they ever really developed really good, like scaled backend systems, whereas Zoom is all cloud, right? So they didn't have to build out their, they didn't have to, I think, I can't remember which cloud Zoom is on, but they didn't have to build out like hard infrastructure like, like uh, Skype did. Hmm. Although I think they, I would assume that Skype you know, was scaling up with Azure, Microsoft's Azure, Azure, but it's it's like any of these things, right? You say like, well, I don't understand. Like these people had this lead over here. How yeah. did they lose it? Well, it's like usually a series of bad, like just bad timings, right? I mean, pick a, pick a thing. Like why didn't GM crush it with like electric cars? Yeah. Because they had a pretty good electric car, the Volt, right? Um. Or was it the Volt? I think it was the one before the Volt. Anyway, so, but, you know, Tesla came through and blew everybody out. Why didn't GM? This is like the innovator's dilemma or whatever. I don't know. It just seems so uh, on point, right? <laughs> yeah. Skype's only thing is, is video calls, um, or at least its main thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, even before the, the pandemic and Zoom, like, I'd be curious, like, what was, 
what demographic or population was really using Skype, right? And like, in what way? Because a lot of these things too is like, I kind of, I would use them as like a fringe benefit, right? It's like, I use Skype, you know, well, obviously before like FaceTime and yeah, quote, smartphones and use it to travel, like when you're. Yeah, that was, the international was the, was such a big thing with Skype because you could call anywhere, right? Yeah, so you had that and um, that replaced by a lot of things, just like, like I said, smartphones and FaceTime or. I remember paying for, I paid What's for that? Skype. I paid for Skype minutes at some point. What in my I mean, like, I remember like, <laughs> being, and it's like, I don't know where, where it was. It was like Argentina or something. And trying to find Wi-Fi at a cafe and, and using Skype minutes and, yeah. and paying for it. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah, now it's just all just, all just the data, which, all right, fair. I mean, it's, I do that too. <laughs> it's like like the business of of data, which I think that's changing too, honestly. I think we're like moving back to like the, you know, pay for what you do or pay for what you've got as we talk. Although I'm using a paid Zoom right now. So I don't know. More and more people, I think, are becoming aware of the concept, especially after that. Well, although who knows, but especially after like the social network movie, I think people are starting to social dilemma. Social dilemma, yeah. Sorry, I think people are at least aware. They're just aware of the fact that like, if you're not paying for stuff, you know, you're the you're the uh, product, right? Product. Well, so I'll say, like, I mean, there's some interesting um, court cases about, um, you say like privacy and generally but i'm thinking of there's this one um involving google and and um getting into certain i don't want to say like maybe terms and conditions but i mean really the, the yeah the, the, the basic license agreement e- basic understanding of this case had to do with with gmail and you know do the customers do the users understand what's being shared or what's being used in what ways and right and it's like no. yeah it's like nothing's free and but there's this idea of like, well, you know, a Google quote saying like, well, well obviously like they know that. Yeah, but they know. They're using this. Oh, you know what it was? It was, a, it was uh, searching emails. Like, so it was, it was, oh, yeah. it was taking and, and taking texts from the emails, email bodies. So the substance and who knows? I mean, I, I, maybe it was like catering ads or. And it wasn't like necessarily taking the information and sharing it. It was just using right. it. Transforming ads. ads. Also just like, just using it, right? Like data. Um, so how to deal with this, like, well, like, <laughs> it, can you really presume that that's just an under, under, like people just understand that that's happening, right? And yeah. obviously there's a lot to like parse out there where like, well, do they and should they? And I mean, even today, right? It's like, you might just be like, well, that's, that's just how it works, of course. But I mean, that was almost the Google narrative at the time of like, people have to know, like, you are the product. <laughs> uh, it's a weird, yeah, no, that's a weird state to be in because there's like, there's all these assumptions behind being like, well, of course, like, people must know because otherwise it wouldn't work like this. But you have to know how things work to a degree to know that that's the case. So I, uh, I'm, 
I'm hesitant to be like too judgmental here, but generally speaking, for things that are outside of people's expertise, I don't I don't put any confidence in them knowing anything about it. I mean, myself included, right? But part of the problem is with certain things you can't get away from them. Right. Right. I don't care who you are, like what expertise you do have, you kind of need to be an expert in like technology just to live in the world without totally exposing yourself. But I don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know. I, I was just in Colorado and a good friend of mine, uh, she's getting older and she's coming up on 80 and I was helping her with her phone cause she's starting to get dementia. Yeah. But the amount of spam texts and email and calls and things like that, that she gets, which fair, like a lot of them are really bad, but some of them are close to being discernible as like a real thing you could, you could do. I mean, how are you supposed to keep up with that as somebody who's like aging, right? It's just, it's totally insane. Which I'm like, what's going to be the equivalent for us at that age? It's going to be like a hologram. This convincing. This lady keeps showing up in my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's got you know whatever it is. It was bartending at that VFW. Yeah, you you get these several. I mean, they're Korean. No, I guess Vietnam era vets, and guy's got a flip phone, and it's just full of of spam. Yeah, it almost is unusable. And I remember like just sitting there and like going through everything and deleting like what's real what's not real all these like programs and apps he's downloaded because he clicked these things he's just like i don't know like i don't know how to discern yeah what what is real or not um yeah i i do think about what's gonna get of something almost got me the other day i'm like oh man i'm slipping i don't remember what it was um but it's gonna happen eventually and i've seen it get real like i've seen certain you know i mean if it's very narrow and it was like really targeted that's one thing right but um yeah i don't know what it's gonna be i think there's like an inherent skepticism though that people in their let's call it mid 40s and younger have that other generations didn't have is that do you think that's it might just like being myopic here um I mean, we, we grew up and with the technology, right? It, well, but we just never like, I mean, I think we saw it go from nothing to like all this, right? It's like, I didn't have a computer in the house when I was real little, when I was little. Yeah. And then it was like PCs in the house, in the home. So you learn the stuff as you go, but there's still like skepticism about the systems. Whereas like older folks don't seem to, and then really young people don't care. Seems like. Yeah, and that they're they're smart to it in some ways. Yeah, I don't know what like. Well, for my kids, they wanna they want all the stuff. They want all the apps and phone and everything. And of course they do. Like, why wouldn't they? It makes perfect sense. But let me send you this this Google case because it's it's interesting and. I'd have to look at it to really understand it, but yeah, I think it was basically, it was like the argument was people just understand the target advertisement we're using 
the, the substance of emails, et cetera, across the Google e ecosystem. Um, but I remember like the, the kind of oddity to some of this stuff, right? Is like, well, what's the violation, right? Like what's like the, the, the law that's been broken? Um, no, it probably isn't maybe one. like lying to people. Is it some type of like, I don't know, FTC claim or just, and there's something odd. Like, I think with this, it had to do with like battery usage. Oh, it's like what gives you standing? Like, what is the interesting? Um, you know, like what it, what harm have you suffered, and how would we remedy that? And and I think it had to do with something with like battery usage. Like you're, which is like sounds so, I mean, really de minimis and and, and trivial, but. No, but if that's like if that's like the place where you can actually point at, there's like a a what is it a material like harm or something? Yeah, I mean you're looking for some like where is the harm to give you give you even standing in, in the court to right. adjudicate this? And obviously it's not no one cares about the battery like whatever fraction of a cent <laughs> like it he it heated up my uh, my pocket slightly obviously the issue is is the privacy but it's because the like, the laws aren't there for yeah, i mean you're, you're using dated dated law yeah, you have to come at this stuff obliquely right i assume but i mean so but that's what like the eu is trying to do all that that's all that's part of the point of like a lot of these like, laws right the right to privacy yeah exactly I mean, in, I don't know, one of the more- One of our first uh, interviews, I'll get my, my, one of my good friends who's, he, he has some um, work he's been doing, but yeah, it's, it's kind of along that line of like, you owning, owning your data as an individual. Um, well, I mean, that's been a big push now for the last probably decade from a bunch of, you know, technologies. But I think in some ways where, how do you, how do you action on that now under our framework, under, under US framework and, and you think I've heard stuff framework. about paying people. So like, this is, it's a, it gets interesting because you'd say like, all right, the reason like this Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, the reason they can do what they do so well is like that they're getting a resource for free, which is basically attention and data and they're selling all of that back to, to they're, they're selling that to advertisers, right? In the sense of like placement, right? And they can do it better than anybody. This is why they're doing so well at it. If, however, you could make the claim, you could say, all right, we're gonna sell that. We're gonna sell your attention to them, but we're also gonna get you a, give you a cut from like the cumulative, you know, we'll say we're, we'll take 10% off the top and give everybody back, you know, whatever that is. Functionally, how does that even like, I don't understand how that would work in the sense that the economics get really skewed, right? Because then you're basically having advertisers pay the users to be in front of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you could think about it in the sense that like you could kind of shortcut some of these things and say, I'm gonna pay you directly to listen to the thing that I'm getting you to do. Which is an actually interesting like concept from the marketing perspective. Like imagine that I say, "Hey, I'm gonna pay you ten cents to listen to like this minute of me talk." That's effectively what you're doing, right? That's effect. So I'm giving I'm giving Facebook ten cents 
or actually many, in many cases, it's, it's way more than that. Like you could have $5 CPMs, like, you know, it's like, it's in some ways it's not even that complicated, right? It's just the modern equivalent of a commercial, you know, we walk. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, no, no, no. But that, but what I'm saying is the concept of like, you own your data, you own your attention, but still in the advertising market. I think there's like, there's obviously so many issues there, right? Like there's the issue of attention and priorities in your life and what, what you're consciously doing and changing. And there's also just the issue of just buying, right? Like it's just a commodity and, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever website, like that that's in your face. That's just the billboard. I feel like there's, but there's that's, so how, that's how people sell stuff is like they rely yeah. on that traffic it doesn't have to be targeted it's just in your face so you're but think about like how much loss there is in that system right just from like an information perspective like i want i mean so at payer we didn't we paid i think over the entire lifespan of the company in terms of like actual paid like to google or facebook or whatever we probably paid a thousand dollars in total right? All of our media was earned because I would write articles and I'd put them to like VentureBeat or TechCrunch, or I'd have like a person come and do an article on us, or we'd like go do found media and stuff like that, right? But the majority of marketing and advertising is I'm paying to get in front of you. And how much that converts is like tiny. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. It's like less than 1% typically. And so the majority of it's just going right out the window. And there's this whole like, there's this whole trope. It was uh, 50% of all ad dollars are wasted. You just don't know which 50%. Mm. That's the, that's the like uh, going tagline, right? And so the, the reason Facebook and all these can do better is because they take, they take you from print, which is like, you know, whatever 0.01% conversions to 1% conversions. And you, there's millions of dollars right there. So I'd, I'd be curious to know what it would look like to just literally pay people to watch your ads. <laughs> like if you, if you just had a pool, you say you get a million people and you put it, you put a bid out there and you say, I'll pay you 10 cents to watch this 30 second ad. And then people pick it up, they get their 10 cents. And then you're going to have some population in there, right? That's going to buy whatever it is that you're going to buy. Mm. And you've lost that middleman. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's my my point about eh. <coughs> is it really the targeting, or even just the the view? It's it's really it's it's the buying, right? So like I can I pay you ten cents to watch this ad, but all I care about is if you actually buy it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And that's where that's where all the money is. So even if I like private, even if you have access and owner, uh, ownership of your data, it doesn't mean you're going to profit from it in any way. Uh, oh yeah. Well, and that's, again, that's what I'm saying is there's no way for, for you, if you have your data to actually profit off of it, you'd have to have a marketplace for your data. And the only thing that's doing that right now is all these like ad networks basically. So I don't think there's a way to really do it where you can profit off of your own data. And like the other thing is like, it's some really like really interesting perverse kind of incentive. So think like this, right? So in theory, like work, right? Any type of work is turning your time into money, into like productivity. It's like you go to the steel mill and you spend, you give them time and in return, 
you know, they take that time and, you know, sell, they basically sell your commoditized time in the form of like an iron bar. This is Marx. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like the labor theory of value. Right. So you say, so you say, all right, now let's, let's say that you're not actually producing a thing, but your product, we, we would consider you watching an ad. I mean, you're renting my brain, right? Like, yeah, my, you know, non-physical non-labor work is you're renting my brain you're renting space in my head yeah to do law or whatever it is give legal advice for yeah, the, hours a week for the white yeah for white collar stuff 100 percent, right <clears throat> yeah you're just yeah you're right you're paying for cpu cycles <laughs> on my cloud right um but now okay now say okay but now the new model is i'm going to pay you just for that right so now you've have you could have a market of just people literally just consuming propaganda getting paid to consume propaganda all day with some percentage likelihood that they're going to actually do something with that later mm -hmm. i don't know that would be weird so who you said you want to invite your friend on we could do that that'd be cool Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he has some pretty interesting theories of, of and again, like not necessarily profiting on your on your data, but it's like, how do you? It's transparency, right? It's like, yeah. How do you access what you otherwise own? So, all right, let me give you this one. So, I've talked to. Did I tell you about my trash idea? No. <laughs> I mean, it's not a trash idea. So I've gotten so much shit about this concept from, from like my previous investors and stuff. I mean, they're being nice about it, but so uh, this is years and years and years ago. I was thinking about, because um, we were kind of in the ad tech space. I was thinking about, all right, well, how do you get attention or how do you get like targeting data that's not already gotten, right? You think about it like, if you're on your phone, if you're on any device, you can just forget about like owning data because people are already putting all their data into Facebook and WhatsApp and you know whatever, right? So that's already there. So forget the phone, forget the computer for a moment. What's a well like? Can you think of another place that you can like gather data on somebody at scale, right? That's not just like a private eye like watching, right? what you do well that because that's not scalable so though the concept i came up with is if you think about like your trash your trash is like the it's like compressing your week into like a single package right so if i and i learned some of this in like law enforcement when i was working in law enforcement right which is if i take your trash i know your pattern of life for whatever that period of trash is right and if i do that long enough then i can say a lot of stuff about you so now imagine American Waste Disposal or I don't know, one of these other companies, they turn into the like trash analysis business. So every time I pick it up, I'm ripping that thing open and I'm like seeing what's in it. So now I have a pattern of life for every house on every street, you know, in a neighborhood. And I can say, here's what their coffee consumption looks like. Here's what their like magazine readers are, whatever it is. And the Supreme Court said, whatever, back in the 90s or wherever it was, that, you know, trash is abandoned property. So you can do whatever you want with it. Um, 
So you could take that and you could very easily turn that into like the mail, like because mail anymore is just spam, right? Yeah. Now imagine you have like better than Google, better than Facebook targeted flyers. But I, I mean, I guess my initial reaction is you do that, you can do that on the front end, right? Like I don't need the trash to know what people are buying. Like, yeah, you do that. Well, so you're right. So well, if you want it, if you want it to be so targeted, <laughs> like household. But we, but we do that, right? It's like you use your credit card or you use some loyalty program yeah. and points at whatever grocery store um, yep. and they're they're aggregating all that. And, and so they're doing it on the front end. Um, I mean, even like I can use my, my standard visa mm. at a store and then all of a sudden I'm getting emails from that store. I'm like, I, I never gave you my email. Right. I didn't, I didn't do anything really? to just buy something and now I'm yeah, exactly. an email and you're sending me crap. All right. So the, so it's true. However, it's a, it's an aggregator, yeah. right? So there's, so think about it like this. So there's like 50 front end streams, Amazon, Wegmans, Dick Sporting Goods, whatever, right? You have 7-Eleven, you've got all these streams, right? But there's only one output stream. Yeah. It's an aggregator. My, my point is your your credit card <laughs> is the aggregator. Yeah, it could because, be. It's because, like, all those streams or just your internet uses and traffic, right? Like it's syncing yeah. what you're doing, what you're buying. Um, though, I mean, like you said, like with trash, obviously there's, it's so particularized to you as the individual that, well, and also, I mean, the, the thing I was thinking about is like, nobody's exploiting it. Yeah. So you're not going to get into the credit card games. Like, nobody's going to do that, right? Well, I think the only reason, to, the only way to exploit it is either like law enforcement. No, you start a trash company. As evidence, or it's like blackmail. It's like, it's like ultimate price. No, I'm saying like, you, you start a trash company. And then you have like the lowest rates. So like you have, so for you, so for so, example, you go to a municipality and say, look, we're going to do free trash collection for this year. Right. And it's because what you're doing is you're just analyzing all of them. Right. And then you can turn that into the ad market. So you've got a completely new ad channel. Like people like to buy soda. <laughs> no, it's like, Hey, we know we can predict that like this household is going to buy is like is most likely to buy like a box of these Keurig K cups yeah. from Sam's. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna have Costco put a put a 10% off uh, you know whatever coupon in your in your mailbox. Yeah, yeah. I mean sure. That kind of stuff. But I mean, so maybe I mean it's, I mean, it's a nightmare for privacy, but <laughs> no, I mean, there was an article. I think it was the New Yorker a few years ago about trash collection in Cairo. Oh. So and it, and it's a story that comes up kind of often because it is it's like an interesting um, dynamic where you have I think they're like Coptic Christians. Yeah. Primarily. And there's sure. this whole system and 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 like it's it exclusive industry by these trash collectors and they're not paid by the city just for their specific whatever it is. No, no, I mean they. they they basically serve this public utility. Oh, I see what you're saying. So like they, the, they collect all the trash for free. Got it. But there's a system. Like I mean, it's 
it's generally for free or maybe like some nominal amount from the business, but like the business isn't contracting with the city or the county or in any way. It's just like, no, it's like individuals in their private capacity. And it's this massive system that works and they collect all this trash. They go back and they sort it, they recycle it. I I remember the kind of like, um, one of the interesting facts too, it is, the pork industry so they're collecting all like the slop and leftover food and since they're they're not muslim they're basically breeding these breeding pigs and selling this pork i don't know where they're selling the pork too but hmm. i always remember it was maybe like the swine it was one of those random swine flus and like sure. you had all these people i think it's egypt were like killing all these the, the these coptic christians pigs because Oh, the same thing with like they killed like the one pig in the zoo in Cairo but, <laughs> but the, you should I mean this the, I'll send you this New Yorker story it's it's really interesting because it kind of comes from that frame of you know it's a it's kind of a profile of some of these trash collectors and and mm-hmm. the whole dynamic in the system because it is it, it, it is somewhat seemingly efficient right like right efficient outside you don't have a public utility or or government that can that can provide this function so you have the quote free market fills this gap okay but yeah um, the, the the thing that the story did with it was like since it's a profiling these individuals you know like with with the photo and the name of this individual trash collector and and mm-hmm. he collected in these fairly wealthy neighborhoods um and I remember reading this story and I was like, man, this is kind of, this is kind of odd. Like, did he fully understand what he was, you know, this interview with the New Yorker, his fame, reach. And cause it, it talks about really like private, you know, intimate things in this neighborhood that everyone, everyone obviously knows what this neighborhood, who, what they where this neighborhood is, who lives there. And when he's talking about, you know, like finding like contraceptives or, Oh geez. You know, that, that type of stuff. Like, you know there's like it creates this drama yeah. and it's revealing some of the private lives of these wealthy individuals. And um I mean that was my initial reaction reading this. Like, was he like fully informed? I feel like I might have read this. And randomly I was flying back from I was flying back to San Francisco and the guy sitting next to me, we started talking. And he turns out he's from Cairo and he was going to like Silicon Valley, had some tech thing. And, and I brought up this story. It was like, Hey, like, what do you, I mean, in my, my reaction, what do you think about this? And he's like, dude, like basically he was from that neighborhood and like oh, no. people there. And he's like, yeah, it led to like a shit storm. Oh, wow. Cause I'm thinking like, they're going to quote, I mean, he's not employed, but fire him. Right. In a way of like, Right. Not let him come get his livelihood would be affected. And um, that guy kind of confirmed in, in some ways that like, yeah, like obviously these anonymous facts can be particularized in the context right. to where it led to kind of a fallout and at least negative oh my short-term consequences for this random dude who's just, you know, living his life and gave an interesting story. You know, trash collector, some reporter blew his spot up. Interesting. I don't know, the whole trash industry is fascinating in my opinion. 
because the amount of stuff people throw away and the types of stuff, and then like how there's like like these big waste companies, they're they're effectively landholders because that's the like major thing that they have as a differentiator. Yeah. These like you know they have these uh, total just acres and acres and acres of landfill which then get, they put grass on them and then they become a hill. Like I went to, um, where did I go? Oh, shoot. Oh, is in Virginia Beach. Have you been, you've been to Virginia Beach? I don't, I don't think so, actually. Well, the whole area. So near Virginia Beach, there's this huge like landfill. It's called like, or it was an old landfill and they put grass on it. And it's called like Landfill Hill or something. And like, you know, they got families flying kites and like all this stuff. But it's just, you know, it was just an old landfill. And they put a tarp over it and a methane gas relief valve <laughs> and then just put grass on it. <clears throat> and then, you know, you go to some of these other countries and they just decide, well, they'll just put trash on the street or put it in the ocean or whatever. It's just, it's all very interesting. This is a guy. Tales of the Trash. That's the article. Yeah. I mean, Cairo is big enough that you'd think that. I mean, I guess if it's a local dude. But you think? I mean, it's 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 the the wealthy, sure, uh, gated community of Cairo, right? But Cairo doesn't have central trash. Like no, like this is it's. I guess I didn't put it together that you said it was Cairo. It's like one of the most modern, you know, cities. I don't know a unique feature to Cairo. Like, I don't know if you have this in other other countries, but I mean, part of the uniqueness to this is the Coptic Christian aspect, where maybe it started with raising pigs. Uh, I mean, Vegas, for example. There's this there's this guy in North Vegas who basically had as a massive pig farm before any really North Vegas was. Uh, like made a suburb of Vegas. It used to just be farms, right? It was like farms. You had the air force <coughs> there. Really, not much else. And then, yeah, over time, and now it's it's all these subdivisions, communities, houses. And he never sold. I don't know what the status is today, but um, there was an old issue. Like, multiple people have tried to buy his land, either develop as housing, uh, mm -hmm. and offered like like significant amounts of money, like tens of millions plus. Um, but he held on to it and it's this massive pig farm. And guys Coptic? No, no, no. The, 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 the tie is that he basically got his, like his niche was taking all the slops from the buffets. Oh my God. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll take your trash. I'll take yeah. all from the casinos. And he, he created a pig farm. Right, so he's like cheap, cheap feed, yeah, and gives nice. it. And then eventually, it's like, you know, fifty whatever years later, now there's all these neighborhoods. I mean, there's literally like neighborhoods across the street from this pig farm, so it smells. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but that's I mean, like you see that also with the like oil waste people, like so they'll you know they'll roll their vat they'll roll their like pickup thing behind like a um, restaurant or a series of restaurants and they just take the oil and they turn it into biofuel or whatever. Well, I got all this pig farm. 
few years ago. He did. 150 acres. Of pigs. They're going to build 500 houses. Huh. How many pigs he had? He sold it for 23 million. That's pretty good. I guess. What? I wonder how much he bought it for. 150 acres 50 years ago in the middle of the desert? For nothing. $1,000 maybe. It's, like, it's land that was given to the Air Force. Base. Yeah. It's just dirt. Oh, it's always fascinating. But yeah, I always like the amount of stuff people throw away is crazy to me. I don't know if we have enough. Although somebody was saying we have more than enough space for all the trash we can ever <laughs> we could ever produce. I'm like, it's just like it sounds depressing when you put it like that. Like, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's the front end cost of like energy and pollution and waste like, yeah all that bad okay, shit yeah great we can all put it in a, a giant hole somewhere but yeah I, you know whatever when aliens land in a thousand or a hundred thousand years and they like you know start vivisectioning the the man the your crust they're like what the fuck happened what do you think like i don't think <laughs> the issue is space right it's like there's a lot of space in the ocean but the idea that there's like a trash island and right. floating around now is, is kind of you know unsettling it is i mean i don't know like the amount of shit that gets bought i've been trying to just like not buy stuff yeah almost like generally um but you know inevitably it happens I'm trying to think well you know it's like holidays and shit i've really made a point over the years to not do the commercial stuff now with three kids they just i mean they just not that i capitulate but the amount of pressure that you get well yeah i mean think, think about what it was when we were growing up is like i mean yeah you had like tv commercials right because we we're the biggest seller to you but um the newspaper ads is like what i remember is like of a little like uh saturday morning yeah and going through like the target ads but it was really the toys r us like they have put out this Christmas oh, yeah. massive magazine with all the toys and it's like here you go like children here's what you can buy this here yeah consume this stuff yeah exactly yeah fuck and then you know do that for 40 years and and then you can't get pissed off at the Chinese for like their Uyghur, you know, fucking concentration camps. <laughs> like, well, there's um, I could say like a theory or like an idea. It's like the more you buy, the more. Like basically, buying leads to more buying. Oh no! I just saw that there was something. There was an article talking about that. It's like a condition. Like if you yeah, watch, like the, like, the flywheel, maybe the the textbook like idea would be you know it's like I buy um you might people might use hobbies as an example but I don't think that's as like commercialization but I mean, you know you, you say you buy something you need something for that and you need something for that thing and it just kind of snowballs or yeah and I don't know if that's the problem I think the like the more problematic aspect is like the more you buy you just you just end up buying more right like well i got a new phone so maybe i'll get like case the friction is less to like i'll get new electronics generally but yeah i mean obviously you're gonna get a new case you're gonna need a new charger new headphones 
Um, well, it's like, I, I just did like, you know, remodeling and stuff. And you think about it, <clears throat> I got rid of a bunch of stuff, but then you're like, all right, well, do I need a table here? I guess we should have a table. Well, if we have a table, then we need the little things, the pads. And then if we need the pad, you know, we should have tablecloth. And then, you know, this table doesn't really match with this chandelier. So up with doilies. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, fuck. Little like potpourri things in your bathroom. You're like, how? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, was like, uh, I remember on Seinfeld, Kramer's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't like those. Or I don't remember what it was. Like, those are potpourri. Those are not, those are not candies. <laughs> or whatever it was. No, but that's, I mean, the, I, I was redesign or I was designing a house I want to build with the, with the purpose that it is it is built in such a way that putting stuff in it would make it feel weird. Yeah, and that's the minimalist. Yeah, exactly. It would be like, why is that over there, right? But it's the our whole like architecture and structure of how everybody lives pretty much anymore is built to fill space. Like in other words, Spaces are not built to be empty. They're built to be filled. Yeah, I mean, ideally it's usable stuff. Um, well, yeah, but, but I like know, but interior design, like that's what they do. They're like, we're gonna create this space to then fill it with shit. Yeah. Which I get, I mean, in some cases it makes sense. But. So you're gonna get the new iPhone? No. <laughs> I was actually looking at it. I was like, oh, but it's got LiDAR on it. it, which is funny because years and years ago, like everybody was losing their mind because there was a LiDAR scan. There's a LiDAR camera on a, like an Android phone. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, Google's going to own, because it was a, I don't remember what kind of, it was like a Samsung or something, or maybe it was a Motorola. Anyway, um, everybody was losing their mind in the augmented reality and virtual reality workers are like, oh shit, like this is gonna take over. And then they're gonna be the ones who own the augmented reality market. And then it just totally flopped, like nobody wanted it. And now every iPhone 12 has a LiDAR scanner on it, which is crazy to me, given how expensive LiDAR scanners used to be. Um, and the, I don't know, have you seen any of the like 3D scans that people are doing with like the iPhone 12s? No. They're like legitimately awesome. I mean, it's stuff that five years ago, it was literally, you know, only pros have this stuff and it's like 10,000, tens of thousands of dollars. Now it comes standard on your fucking phone, which is just, I didn't think it was gonna go that fast. What I also didn't think was nobody was gonna use it for the stuff that like you can really use it for that's powerful. People are just like, you know, and it doesn't, it's crazy. Like this, the amount of power on that phone is unbelievable. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. But booty pics. All right, man. What has this been like? Hour and a half or something? Yeah, I guess I should do some homework. Yeah, I got work to do too. So, all right, well, that was good. Um, you want to schedule for next week or something? Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, if anything, it's just good to talk. So. 
Absolutely. That's like part of the idea. Well, next Tuesday is election day, so. Oh, shit. We're going to do live updates. Um, no, I don't care about that. Well, we could just do the politics special. Uh, it's in two weeks. Election's in two weeks. What? What oh, is that? It's next week. For some reason, this calendar, this podcast thing is on my calendar for last week. What's going on? I don't know what's wrong with the thing. Um, yeah, the election is next week. Yep. Yeah, well, invite your buddy or whatever, too. We can do that. Although, I think this account only allows two people on without it. <laughs> I mean, is it special and like just a normal Zoom? No, it's, it's just a regular Zoom. Um, all right. Well, I'll send you, I mean, does this time still work? Um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll just put it on the calendar for here. Even if you don't do that. All right. Bye. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Peace.